1: Welcome to Mind Love episode 150. Today's episode is all about subtle energy healing for trauma, stress, and chronic illness. Energy
0: is just information that moves. It's just that there's two types of energy from a real basic approach. There's the physical energy, which we find more measurable. And then there's the subtle energy, which is not so measurable. So In the end, I usually find that most causes of issues or problems, whether they be psychological, behavioral, you know, addictive-oriented, physical, I really think they mainly start in the subtle universe of ourselves or outside of us. It's usually about something about perception or something that's off with our interconnections. And so if we can get down there, maybe we can help shift the physical. your frequency with mind love bite-sized brain hacks for seekers dreamers and doers it's time to give your mind a little love with your host melissa Monty.
1: hi friends first of all if you haven't subscribed to the podcast yet make sure to hit the subscribe button so you're always updated about new episodes plus you want to know basically the best way to give back to your favorite podcasts actually go to the iTunes app and leave a five-star review. Reviews are scientifically proven to make me love you more. That's just how it is. I love you when you leave me a review. You sit in my heart for days at a time. No, but seriously, they really help the growth of the show. They're probably the number one thing that you can do besides supporting my sponsors or joining the membership. So it's an easy, free way to give back to a podcast you love and if you do leave me a review, send it to me at mindlovemelissa on Instagram and I'll send you a free meditation track. But now let's get to the good stuff. I think the biggest mistake we make, actually, I don't wanna call it a mistake, more like an oversight. The biggest oversight we make in our spiritual journeys is to bypass the human experience. We think we can just overshadow any pain or negative emotion with positivity Or we shun our ego out of existence, or we deny that we have any fear at all because somehow fear is the opposite of love. I don't think our mission in this life is to deny or overpower or neglect any part of this human experience, or we wouldn't have called it the human experience. I think our mission is to learn from it and integrate it with the spiritual beings that we are. Why else would we have chosen to come here? Some of the things that have helped me the most in just being human have been beyond the five senses, like being an empath and connecting with my inner guidance and being in tune with the subtle energies that are present in everything and everyone. And lately, I've felt really guided towards messages about unity and integration. Somehow those topics seem to come up in a lot of my conversations, and I'm attracting guests that are somehow messengers of unity in some way. And it makes sense. In a world that seems very divided, maybe I'm getting the message that it's what we need most. Or maybe it's the message that I need most. We're already experiencing division of the country and of humanity and the separation of people with social distancing. But we're also experiencing division and separation within ourselves. And we always are, in different ways, depending on what we're going through at that moment or our individual paths in life. But with trauma, it's kind of amplified. And right now, we are actually experiencing a collective trauma. And to heal from it, it involves both our human and our spiritual selves to fully integrate what we're going through into who we are becoming, if we bypass the whole human side of it, like denying our sadness or our pain, or just trying to overpower it with the positive, or on the flip side of it, if we deny the spiritual side, like not paying attention to where energy might be blocked in the body, then we don't really clear out our unresolved trauma we miss half the lesson either way, we need both. So today we're talking about our subtle energy bodies and how they affect our physical realities. And our guest is Cindy Dale. She's an internationally renowned author, speaker, healer, and business consultant, and the author of 27 books about energy medicine, intuition, and spirituality. And three key things we will learn are all about the energies beneath our challenges, healthy versus unhealthy fear, and the main causes of both, and how to connect to the center of your heart chakra to gain power and insight. But before we dive in, do you ever wish you could start each day with a little message from your higher self? Just sign up for the Morning Mind Love for daily inspirational messages right to your inbox. I get messages from people every single day about how the Morning Mind Love is their favorite way to start their day, or that the message that came through is exactly what they needed to hear. It's kind of like your own personal inspiration oracle. Just visit mindlove.com and sign up right there on the homepage. Plus, you'll get some amazing free gifts when you do, like a free guided binaural affirmation meditation designed to rewire your brain to your highest self. And you'll get one of my favorite tools, a booklet of my personal powerless to help you gain clarity and live each day with intention. And it's all completely free. Just go to mindlove.com to sign up. Or if you're out and about, text the word morning to 33777. That's morning to 33777. And now let's welcome Cindy Dale to the show.
0: I am very happy to be here. Thanks, Melissa.
1: So, give us a little background on you. How did you start first basically studying the subtle energy body and all of these energy healing techniques? Well,
0: I was one of those unusual kids. (laughs) And I think there's a lot of us, some more hidden than others as they turn into adults. So I was that kid who could talk to ghosts and see colors around people and knew when they were upset or when they were happy and sort of gauged my reality that way. You know, you don't do certain things if mom's mad or if dad's sad or whatever it is. I really didn't obviously use those gifts. I actually shut them down when I was a youngster about 12 or 13. And they just started popping open again, when I went to therapy at around age 20 or so. And the more therapy I got, the more my abilities went on. And I was so lucky, Melissa, that I was able to travel a lot for a strong two decades, if not more, my 20s and my 30s. And I was able to observe and learn about energy and intuition and healing in, you know, the jungle or the Sahara or a savanna and with the shamans, with the healers, whose history included those approaches. And you know, so then learning about this subtle body just became natural because the question became, what is this? What am I seeing? What are these, what are these energy circles, or what are these orbs in the body, or how come energy flows in these odd ways that aren't in the blood vessels? And why are there fields around people? So I became a student and I still am of the subtle anatomy.
1: So I'm wondering for the people that are not really sure what subtle energy body is. How do you explain it to people? I know
0: because we don't grow up (laughs) reading about it in school, do we? And I like to remind people that it can take a little while to get used to being and having a subtle anatomy or body because you didn't learn about it in school. So it's not all that different. It's just more powerful than the physical anatomy. So when you study the physical body, you learn that there are organs like the liver and the heart There are channels like the lymph system and the blood vessels, and there's fields of energy that we can see pictures of now that are more measurable and come off of every cell, organ, and person. And the subtle body is the same. It has the same three parts. There are organs. Most of us call those the chakras. There are channels. Sometimes they're called the nadis, N-A-D-I-S for those who pursue Hindu knowledge or meridians if you're working more with Asian information. And there's fields of energy, lots and lots of fields of energy. Mainly in my world, we talk about the auric fields, which are these colorful bands of light that are actually extensions of the chakra organs that are in and around the body. So the main difference is that for real, the Bodies, the different structures of the subtle body are more powerful because each of them can convert subtle or invisible energy into physical or substantial energy and back again. So they're powerhouses of conversion and they're, they're like little transducers or, you know, little engines that could kind of a thing. When do these come into play most
1: often in our lives? Is it with our emotions? Are they always in play no matter what? How do you see them or understand them when you're
0: considering working with them or keeping them in
1: mind in a given situation? Well, they're
0: they're sort of all-encompassing. So I work with the 12 chakra system. Most people say in yoga or who do chakra based work or even have a passing knowledge work with seven in body chakras. I also have five that I work with that are out of the body. But you know what? You can work with chakras for anything, to be honest, because each chakra located in its own site is in charge of a physical job. A set of psychological constructs or feelings and beliefs, and also serves you spiritually. It sort of holds intuitive gifts. Each chakra holds a different intuitive gift, you know, or a different kind of extrasensory perception. You can really do chakra work to figure out what's wrong with your liver. Okay, the liver's not functioning. The liver is in the third chakra, that's in the solar plexus. So now, yes, go to your doctor, work on. Uh, liver, Get get, get your blood counts, get your liver counts, figure out what you might need to do medically. But you can also get a sense of what might be impacting your liver by examining your third chakra. You know, kind of what are the beliefs in here? What are the old feelings? What are the memories? What are your maybe dysfunctional spiritual ideas? Or are you even using the gift of knowing, kind of getting a gut sense or not through this center? So I think they're sort of, can do all things, and go to your doctor. (laughs) Right. It's so funny because so many people think that these,
1: the idea of spirituality or even holistic methods and conventional medicine are at odds with each other. But I think that's just the beliefs that certain people hold because I look at it as just a way to get a deeper knowing of what's going on. And for example, you could have a somebody go into the doctor and all they know is like this isn't working or i'm having digestive issues and they know nothing else and so the doctor just prescribes something it's like Or you can sit there and ask about the person's lifestyle. Like, did they, have they been suffering from an eating disorder that's causing digestive issues? Or what are they eating on a daily basis? What's their lifestyle like? And so it's kind of how that works with medicine. So can the idea of the subtle energy. Like, now let's go deeper than just that, than just what's in the physical reality and ask, what are your beliefs as you interact with this world? What emotions are you holding on to? What traumas are still interacting with your life? And so it's like this even deeper penetrative layer.
0: (laughs) 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 It's not rolling off the tongue. (laughs) (laughs) It's true, though. You can go to deeper and different levels.
1: We're all here just trying to live our best lives, right? He has a PhD in counseling and has been sitting with hurting people for 20 years. He shares practical advice for everything from how to connect with people, how to face depression, overcome anxiety, and learn just what it means to be well. But what's really cool about his show is you can even leave a voicemail or send an email and he'll address your topic or question about mental or emotional health on the show. So no matter what you're going through, The Dr. John Deloney Show is here for you. Listen to The Dr. John Deloney Show wherever you get your podcasts or follow the link on the website. I'm constantly sharing with my clients to stop searching in life and instead start aligning
0: It's true though, you can go to deeper and different levels. And I love your attitude to include the allopathic. I mean, there's a great story about Gandhi um, from years and years ago. And he believed just in holistic medicine. He did not like allopathic, you know, cutting pills, that kind of stuff, medicine. And he had uh, problems, he had pain in his body. And he went to a military doctor who said you have appendicitis. And Gandhi said, Well, can I have surgery? Will you do surgery? And he goes, I didn't think you believed in it. And he goes, Well, I do now. (laughs) So (laughs) I mean, look, do what works. And so if I break a bone, I'm going to go get it set. And I'm also going to ask myself, Oh, you know, Are there some emotions I need to process so the bone heals faster? Maybe there's some old issues, some old traumas that got re-triggered when that happened. Maybe they even set me up to be clumsy. And you can treat yourself like the full being who you are if you work with the subtle aspects of yourself too. I've seen people heal almost magically. And then some people don't. Some people get kind of upset, though, like, well, I looked at all my issues and I dealt with when I was two years old and I looked at my soul's responses and I got rid of the energy I absorbed from my family. So how come I still need to have surgery? And it's like, well, maybe you still just need to have surgery.
1: (laughs) (laughs) There you are. right. It's like, there is a point of advancing our technology and our medicine. Like there's really amazing benefits of that. I see the problems being that we often rely too much on that because it seems like this quick fix. And so it's like, yeah, you get a surgery for maybe gastric bypass or something like that, but then you don't change your lifestyle. And so then in a certain amount of years, you need it again. And it's like, that's not really how we're supposed to be working with our bodies either because you use the phrase, our whole being, we're ignoring parts of our being and we're just doing the surface level stuff and and often never addressing the root cause. That's how I felt for a really long time. I really relate to what you said about just being able to sense things in people. Like It's almost like I always felt like I knew a much bigger picture of what was being said. And at times I would share it with people and people would be like, you're jumping into conclusions. And most of the time to this day, I still end up being pretty right or on the right track. I just now know to keep it to myself and and kind of just ask the right questions to get people to come out with things instead of just being like, I know what your issue is already. (laughs) But it's funny because I didn't have this knowledge of the subtle energy body or really of spirituality outside of the religion that I was raised in. And so I turned a lot of it off. I think it was overwhelming for me because for most of my teens and 20s, I was just numbing everything out in every way possible and that's really what my healing journey has been is is reconnecting with my body getting off of all the medications that you know might be treating the depression supposedly but I'm not doing anything else to actually get to the root of it so nothing's actually happening <laughs> you know it's just I don't feel anything so I do love that we have the advances of conventional medicine and live in this time but I also think we just need to Be willing more often to show up ourselves and do the hard work that comes
0: with it. And it is hard work. It is because for many of us, there's years and years and years worth of repressed feelings, which are ours. And like you're saying, we're all intuitive beings, we're subtle beings. If you look at an object, 99.999% of that object is subtle energy. It's the invisible energy. And most of that energy is what they call quantum. And it flies all over the place across different dimensions and time periods. There's nothing sitting still. Neither are we. And most of the time, we really don't know what we're motivated by, what we're picking up on, why we're responding a certain way. So I think some people get really overwhelmed at the idea of being a subtle being because, All of a sudden, they're like, wow, it was hard enough to keep track of, you know, kind of just my body. Now I have to know what my emotions are. Yeah. (laughs) Now I have to figure out that I could be feeling somebody else's feelings. Yeah. Or even maybe having absorbed their diseases. Yeah. And so it, it can, especially in the initial. Uh, stages of the trek into the acceptance of the invisible self, I think people get really overwhelmed. Like, so where does it stop? And it doesn't. (laughs) I mean, we're big. We're big. We're beings of light and sound with a little bit of soul in there. That's what we are.
1: And it's funny how there are so many skeptics around this idea, but it's basically common knowledge that women's uh, cycles sync up together it 's like how do you believe that, but not this other thing it's it's really is just we 're absorbing what each other is going through we 're sensing that on a, a different field than we can with just our eyes for most of us or just our our five senses that we're used to turning into that feel so much more real. But that's what I'm really trying to learn these days is to get more in touch with these other things because they are actually just as real. I was just not used to classifying them as that. So everything came with a little bit of doubt or or confusion or not knowing what it was at all. And one of the things that you say in your newest book is that all challenges are energy challenges. Can you go into that a little bit more? Yeah, because they are.
0: <laughs> so, well, it's It's logical actually. Everything's made out of energy, whether it's concrete, whether it's a thought, a feeling, whether it's a memory, it's all made out of energy. Energy is just information that moves. And so some information uh, that we're telling to ourselves or the information we're around is healthy for us and some of it's not. And everything always vibrates. It's constantly in motion. So that's all energy is. So, I mean, everything is energy medicine. You know, allopathic medicine is energy medicine. Psychiatry is energy medicine. Chanting is the use of energy medicine. It's just that there's two types of energy from a real basic approach. There's the physical energy, which we find more measurable. And then there's the subtle energy, which is not so measurable. So in the end, I usually find that most causes of issues or problems, whether they be psychological, behavioral, you know, addictive oriented, physical, I really think they mainly start in the subtle universe. Of ourselves or outside of us, it's usually about something about perception or something that's off with our interconnections. And so if we can get down there, maybe we can help shift the physical. And, you know, there's super cool studies about this right now that are really actually concrete. I remember a series of studies with hearts, with people's hearts and heartbeat. So In one study, they took a couple who were very connected. You know, they liked each other. (laughs) They were married and they actually liked each other. They put them very far away from each other. Then they had them like miles. They had them think of each other and their heartbeats synchronized. And they weren't even physically around each other. They've done the same thing with heart cells from different peoples in Petri dishes, that if those two people know each other, the heart cells synchronize in their electromagnetic uh, rhythm. And they've done that with somebody's heart you know, heart cells from their own heart, they've separated those heart cells, and they start to synchronize. So it starts to get to be blurry, like what's physical energy? What's subtle? And maybe, maybe it's really all the same. It's just we perceive some stuff more concrete. And we just don't know always how to perceive the rest of it.
1: That is so fascinating. And for some reason, the first thing that I thought of, though, is what are the implications of that when we're going through a collective trauma like we are now, and there's so many people holding on to different feelings of fear or loss or trauma all at the same time. We might not know some of these people or be holding them in our mind's eye, but how does that affect us when we're in a population of people that are basically holding some collective experience.
0: It's like mass consciousness. I remember, I can't remember, in communications in high school, I remember being appalled at the studies of mass consciousness, like how people act in a crowd, like you get just one or two disorderly violent people and it's like it catches, like the whole crowd then goes out of control. Sometimes it just takes one person to calm them down. Sometimes they just get run over too. So (laughs) we are interconnected. We have energy fields that actually interconnect with like-minded beings like, like. All dogs have some interconnected energy field. All people have an interconnected energy field. Members of a family all have a certain type of interconnected energy field. So we're cross-sharing data all the time. And so we're part of a human experience right now. I don't know if it's a human experiment, but it's certainly an experience. What are we passing back and forth but fear and dread and mistrust and finger-pointing and anger, I mean, the anger started not that long ago. Lots of times anger starts after people feel like they can't control situations and they're really scared. And so now we're seeing more of the anger, like, let's get some power and be really angry and be mean and do whatever it is. So we have to really concentrate. And I'm sure you found this too, Melissa, as an individual to say, okay, I'm, I'm a point of light. I am who I am. I can decide how I'm going to be with what happens. And we don't have to obsess about it, but it's a really important time to have self-ownership of our attitudes. And frankly, that's about owning our subtle energy and deciding what imprint is going to have and how we're going to show up, how we're going to beam who we are out into the world and what are we willing to pick up and what are we just going to leave at the doorstep.
1: Right, I actually was just recording another episode around this topic of like using this time where everything's in chaos to see all the the crap that you've been holding on to. You know, it's like when you go Marie Kondo your closet, she makes you take everything out first so you see what you have and then decide what to keep and what to leave. And so I've been using this time to really Audit my beliefs. I've been diving into a lot of the beliefs that have been driving me lately just because, you know, there are so many thoughts and feelings and opinions happening right now. And so it's been interesting because I've definitely gone through some hard periods with it just in the feels and the experience and moving. And I'm pregnant now. (laughs) So I've been going through a lot. But I've also been kind of diving back into some ideas that I've learned in my spiritual journey that I'm now challenging. And I'm grateful for the stepping stone of certain types of teachings, for example, One of them is I've been kind of redefining my relationship with ego because so often you hear like the ego is the enemy or just drop the ego. And I've been like, but that ego is a part of me also. And it's the one that interacts with reality. So I've been kind of changing my relationship with that. And I feel like it's just sort of the next step. And the other thing I've been redefining is fear because so often in spirituality, you hear that fear is the opposite of love. But there is a place for fear and there's benefits of healthy fear and it keeps us safe in many ways. So I kind of wanted to dive into that subject of really determining how do you determine the difference between your healthy fear and the unhealthy fear?
0: I'm glad we're going there because there are a lot of spiritual approaches that pretty much denigrate anything human.
1: (laughs) It's like spiritual um, bypassing.
0: It is spiritual bypassing. Like you can just wish away your feelings or there's something wrong with binge watching TV. There isn't. (laughs) As long as you're doing other things too. We need ego. We have to pay our bills. You know, it's good to make practical decisions and fear is by nature fear and the other emotions are really healthy because they're they're messengers they're our body's way of giving us a way to gauge an experience or an event so healthy fear comes up when our body's saying you know what we're not safe so it's a safety message and If we can sense it's a healthy fear, so it's going to be sort of specific to a situation. Uh, It's going to be something where we're going to want to move forward, backward, or to the side. That fear gets resolved when we alter, like, thought or behavior or whatever. I mean, that's healthy fear. Anger's not bad either. Anger is a boundary setter. I mean, if I get angry now, I'm like, Ooh, I should probably be angry. You don't have to scream and yell unless you have to scream and yell, whatever. But, um, (laughs) uh, you know, but it's like, I need to set a boundary here. Like if I, there's certain emails when I get them, I get this anger and I'm like, okay, Cindy, that person's trying to take advantage of you. Well, it doesn't matter what they're doing. You set the boundary, you get to decide. And, and joy of course says, I want more. And you can't just have more ice cream all the time, but it can tell you, right, that you can stop when you're satiated, but then have it again in a month or whatever it is. And sadness just talks about love. I think sadness is a marker for either we're missing love, there's something going on where we're not feeling the love, or we need to provide more love maybe to ourselves. And one of the feelings I think people don't like to talk about is disgust. It's not the same as shame. It's a body instinct that says, this is not good for me. This is poison. And I don't know. But when I was raised, I was not really supposed to have any of these feelings, especially disgust, because I was in the Wonder Bread Lutheran eat everything on your plate club. So it's like I hated gravy. There were a lot of foods I didn't like. And they would literally turn my stomach. And my mom would be, oh, you don't like my cooking. You better eat it or I'll feel bad. So. I didn't learn to honor my instinctive disgust growing up. So a lot of us don't necessarily know, for, back to fear, the difference between the healthy and the unhealthy fear. But if you can alleviate the fear through behavior, it, it was a healthy fear. So alleviating the fear through
1: behavior, what does that really mean? Just actually avoiding it or, or learning
0: to listen to those instincts? Listen to the instincts, do something. I mean, it's like, do something and take an action. So if I've got a car barreling at me, I hope I'm going to be scared, right? Because I want to jump out of the way. If You know, like I'm out on a date with somebody and my stomach's going, I'm scared of this person. I don't really just go cast about in my childhood. I just go, maybe this is a scary person to me. So I'm not going to see them again. So you can take the message and make a difference in your life. And if the action or the alteration that you take, you know what I mean? If the fear goes away, it was probably a healthy fear. Right. It's so
1: funny, too, though, because we get all these messages of like, don't judge a book by its cover or don't prejudge people or, uh, you know, (laughs) accept everybody. And I find that I do get those very strong feelings about people where I'm just like, there's something about this person. And I don't I'm not going to sit there and be like, I have a feeling it's this, this and this. And I'm going to go tell everybody else about it. But I am going to just move away, (laughs) you know, like not do a second date with that person, not invite them to my birthday party, (laughs) like those types of things that are just like, like, if I feel like I need to avoid somebody, I don't necessarily need to know why anymore, although I did in my early 20s. Now, I'm just like, even if it turns out to be nothing, there's some sort of energetic dissonance between me and this person, and I don't feel my best when I'm around them. So it's perfectly okay for me to
0: say I don't
1: want to be around them.
0: And that's subtle energy. I mean, that's it. And there's a place of self love.
1: This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. I really need to get something off my chest. Being a mom of a three-year-old boy is really freaking hard, and sometimes it has me questioning my sanity. But then he'll grab my face and call me his sweet little mama. Yes, that's a real thing he says, (laughs) and it will all melt away until I break his banana. I thought I was done with emotionally abusive relationships, but nope. We all carry around stressors, big and small, and when we keep them all bottled up, it can start to affect us negatively. It's about learning healthy coping mechanisms, setting boundaries, becoming the best version of yourself. And BetterHelp makes it super convenient, too. Everything's done online so you can fit therapy sessions around your schedule. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com MindLove today and get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P, MindLove. And now for another episode of Lies We've Been Told About Our Health. We've all heard we need eight glasses of water a day, right? Well, hydration isn't actually about water intake. It's about the balance of water and electrolytes, so that our bodies are actually absorbing the water instead of just passing it through. A lot of people go for those sugary sports drinks, but let's be real, those do more harm than good. I've found a better solution. Olympic weightlifters, CrossFit champions, Navy SEALs, all rely on it too, which to me says a lot about its effectiveness. Here's what makes them really unique. They recently launched a hot chocolate line with flavors like chocolate mint, chocolate chai, and chocolate raspberry. Ever since I went alcohol-free, I've been really intentional about luxurious, health-focused drinks, so I can sit back and unwind while actually doing good for my body. And the Element Chocolate Chai is great for relaxing in the evening or warming up after winter sports. And you can try Element totally risk-free. If you don't like it, you'll get your money back. No questions asked. Receive a free Element sample pack with any order when you purchase through drinkelement.com slash mindlove. That's drinklmnt.com slash mindlove to get a free starter pack with any order. So it's perfectly okay for me to say I don't want to be around them.
0: And that's subtle energy. I mean, that's it. And there's a place of self-love. I remember doing match.com a couple years ago and talking with somebody on the phone who should have been my perfect match. I mean, did something similar to what I did for a living and did this and did that and all this stuff. And about two minutes into the conversation, my stomach was turning and I was like, this is, this is not good for me. And I said, you know what, we can just stop now. And he goes, well, why? I go, it doesn't feel right. And he goes, well, why? I said, I don't know. Because I don't want to do the work to figure it out. Why would we have to do the work to figure it out all the time? If there's this gut instinct, if there's different forms of intuition, if we had a picture in our head or a dream or a voice in our head or some aspect of our intuition that's really clear with us, I mean, we can just listen, we can just follow and not waste our energy always figuring it out.
1: Yeah, and I found that the more often I am willing to just listen, the more often I receive that guidance in the first place. Whereas like I said in my 20s, I was used to turning off the uncomfortable feelings and I was like, no, I'm going to say yes to everything and just be nice to everybody and and I didn't have any sort of relationship with that intuitive voice and I didn't know how to discern it from anything else, especially from I think I had the hardest time really deciphering between what was my actual intuition? And what was learned behavior from like societal constructs and things like that. So I really started diving into understanding my energy and my intuition in my late 20s. But then that brings me to the idea of what about unhealthy fear? What
0: is unhealthy fear? And where does it come from? I think there's a lot of sources of unhealthy fear. So I'm gonna name a few of them. So sometimes we get scared, we might even go into terror or panic. And it, it especially if it's too big for the situation, or we take an action and we can't turn it off, that's an unhealthy fear. If it can't be alleviated through just normal life or interactions or this or that or the other thing. So sometimes when we get scared, it's a tri- we're triggered. It's an old trauma. Trauma is stress that gets stuck. And we'll trigger it over and over again until we go into that initial traumatizing situation, and basically it's holding us hostage. So we need to free ourselves up. Some of our fears come from our ancestors. So we have in a pool of chemicals around the genes that are called the epigenome or the epigenetic material, at least 14 generations of our ancestors' memories. So You can just suddenly, you know, you can be in a parking lot and somebody comes toward you and go, oh, my God, I'm terrified of them. And it's so big because there's other people around this and that and it doesn't make sense. So that might be because they looked like somebody to your grandmother who attacked her or who was really scary. So we can have ancestors' memories come up that indicate something that happened in the past is alerting us to the present, but it may not fit, maybe too big. And I actually also do believe we absorb other people's energies. I know we do. I mean, those sponges amongst us like me know that. So you can be sitting with a friend and you're just fine. You go out for coffee. Well, six feet apart. You go out for coffee and you're sitting there in the park. I'm just going to keep it covid friendly and all of a sudden you were just fine and all of a sudden you're really scared or you're really sad well you may have absorbed your friend's feelings so we need to be aware that there's other sources for feelings for energies even maybe illnesses or perceptions or ideas about what to do or needs then originate in us
1: I was just having a conversation with my husband because we we're we're having a baby and we're talking about – we just keep having these conversations about, you know, different ways that we want to raise him and, and ideas that come to mind and just brainstorming really. And we were talking about fear with bugs and he's like, I really don't want to – be those parents that like instills fear of bugs and whatever. And I've uh, transformed my relationship with bugs because I don't know, bugs used to kind of freak me out, certain bugs. I also used to play with them when I was little. So I wasn't like that afraid of them. But then I changed my relationship with it in the beginning of yoga. When I believe I was learning this um, Vedic Principle called ahimsa. I think that's the one that's that's nonviolence. But I started to carry spiders outside instead of killing them. And it's funny because at first it was terrifying. I'd be like attaching a stick to a dustpan so that I could like scoop it up and then I'm like trying to carry it out and jump off. But now I'm just like not really afraid of these bugs anymore. And my husband was like, well. I've just always been unnaturally afraid of spiders. He's like, I don't know where it came from. I don't know if it's that I saw my parents jumping back from spiders or what, but I feel like I'm the most afraid of them in my family, of my friends. And I was like, maybe there was something with your ancestors. Maybe this is an inherited inherited fear. And he's like how does that even happen? And I'm like, I don't know. (laughs) Like, it's something I've kind of learned about, but uh, I don't know, you should do a reading or something like that. And he was, he was pretty interested. But I think that does happen when all of a sudden, like, why, why would he be unnaturally afraid of spiders and like nothing else? He's not really afraid of anything
0: else and just terrified of them yeah, and it and it could be. I mean, I believe in reincarnation. Maybe he got killed by a bunch of spiders in a past life too, which would terrify me for like forever, right <laughs> yes. or, or the ancestors. I mean, again, I know my mom's family all uh, lived for a couple generations in North Dakota, and they were scared of flies because they would get just just tribes. I don't think that's the real name flocks. I don't know the name of flies. <laughs> You know, the locusts and flies that would descend, the flies would eat away at the at the horses, you know, the locusts would eat away at the plants. And so for a long time, anytime I saw like like two flies together or any kind of bug that was in a culture, in a community, I would just panic. I would just, oh my God, they're going to get me. And that stopped as soon as I realized, you know, they were getting my mom's family. They were destroying parts of the farm, but that's not what's happening in your nice suburban house, Cindy. (laughs) (laughs) Right, and my, my friend from the Philippines, she was talking
1: about how they used to fight spiders and she showed me a video on YouTube and these are big spiders and they put them on sticks And then they let them at each other. And it's like something that kids do there where they allow these spiders to fight, but they're only a few inches from their hands. And I'm like, but do they not bite you? She's like, oh, yeah, no, I've gotten bitten a bunch of times. And I was like, well, how are you not terrified then? (laughs) And she's like, I don't know, we just weren't. And it's just funny how... What you're surrounded by can really influence what fear you choose to hold on to. And you don't even really realize that you have the choice, I suppose. So if you do realize that you have held on to other people's fears or you've inherited them somehow from either an ancestor or a past life... How do you start to untangle that so that you can release it? The
0: first step is becoming aware. So I, I remember when the COVID lockdown started and I was with everybody else, buying too much toilet paper, and then I went in on looking for too many barbells because my twenty-one year old needed a gym because he's a baseball pitcher. And then I went into canned beans and you know, here I am collecting stuff, right? And and I stopped. And I pulled back and I was like, Cindy, this is too big. There are grocery stores these days. There is Amazon. This is, you know, there's there's towels. You 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 buy baby wipes instead of toilet paper. We have stuff these days. So as soon as I realized what I was doing was too much, too big, and unexplainable with my own current life, then I could sit down, take some quiet time, do some introspection and just ask myself I mean your own soul can give you answers you know we don't we can go to other people but we can go inside of ourselves too and just say where'd this come from and there it was with my grandparents you know who were all terrified because everything was being run out and there wasn't any money during the depression during the great depression in America so as soon as I quieted myself down realizing something was out of sync here it didn't matter my life that I was able to show and then you know what I do if it's ancestors I just send healing I know they're dead but their souls still exist and their chemical residue is still in my body so I send healing kind of down through my epigenetics I send it to their souls Uh, if I realize that like I picked up somebody else's issues or fears or illness uh, I certainly ask that it be taken from me maybe I picture that happening And I ask that it be sent to their higher self so it doesn't plague them or injure them or hurt them. So once we realize there's a source that's not us, then there's sort of a common sense to what to do about it too. I'm really glad that
1: you said just tuning inward. It's funny because so often you hear people come and they're like, well, here is my four step process that I've developed over a lifetime. And those are great and I always find them really helpful. But again, there's so much that's happening with me right now where you know how you read a book one time and then the second time you read it and you get all new information. Well, I feel like I'm at this like next level of my own spiritual journey where I've read so many books and I've gotten so many outside teachings that now it's like, no, Melissa, just sit down and ask yourself and see what comes up. Ask your own inner wisdom. And more often than not, I have the answers. It's just... The process is now is I feel like I sit with them and I'm like, well, this came up. Should I Google that? Does that make sense? Or should I ask somebody else and get somebody to validate this? And so instead, it's like, no, just trust. Act like what just came to mind is absolute fact and act on it from there and see what happens. And a lot of times I'm like, wow, that did just shift what I was going through quite a bit. And then it's like the more I do that, the more I develop a relationship with my own subtle body and my own inner wisdom and that trust is just so important because we can play that game back and forth of doubting what we're hearing from
0: that wisdom and then we don't really get anywhere trust is the key and one trick i play couple tricks i play sometimes i on i do just go really <laughs> <laughs> what? I mean, because it seems so ludicrous, or it's the, like, for instance, when the COVID lockdown started, and I, I've followed all the quarantine and this and that, but my guidance was sort of like, Cindy, like, go out there in the world, not physically, like, do more, like, teach more classes, do more this, do more that, and everybody else is getting quiet, and I'm supposed to get louder. And I'm like, really? Because I could, I would really like the quiet. It's like, Mm -hmm. no, get louder. And so, Sometimes, when I get something that seems contrary to my secret desire or what would make sense to other people, I just say, Would I make this up? Like, really, would I sit down with my brain and come up with this guidance? And I only ask the question, of course, when the answer is going to be no. (laughs) Because even when I'm working with clients, if I get something really bizarre, I'll just go, Well, would I make it up? No. So then it is guidance. Then it's something to be said. Then it's something to be followed. So I think we can develop our own little rituals around helping ourselves trust when we don't really want to trust also. So once you've
1: started to deal with these fears, you teach about this idea of connecting to the center of your heart chakra in order to gain more power and insight um, about what you call the butterfly self. And I'm so curious about that process.
0: Well, I do believe that Many times in our lives, we go through a cocooning. And then the goal, of course, is to do the self reflection, you know, is to do the inner changes so that the wings can open up on the other side. And what's interesting about that is that that poor little self, <laughs> that poor little caterpillar, 95% of its cells are destroyed while it's in there. Like it's not an easy process. And what's left are what they call the imaginal discs or the imaginal cells. And that's what grows the new body. That's what grows the wings. That's what helps us fly. So I believe that we can anytime, especially now though, given what we're all going through, that the the cocooning and the wing making and the wing expanse is available through the center of the heart. So. The heart chakra is the strongest chakra in the body. It's connected to the heart, the physical heart, which gives off the most electricity, magnetism, and electromagneticism, even more than the brain. Uh, the heart chakra is more in the center, like in the breastbone, underneath the breastbone. And it's the, it's the you know, really, it receives information from above the spirit realms, from below the density, from our psychology, from guidance. It's sort of the source point and everything meets in it. There's two wheels to every chakra. Now I'm being kind of geeky around chakra knowledge. Um, The outer wheel has the stuff, the programs. The inner wheel is pure. So I constantly bring my consciousness into that inner wheel. And in there, it's sort of that beautiful place where my light is cocooned, where my true self is mixing all the time with you know greater light, with the greater spirit. And that's where I want to come from. That's where I want to shine from. That's where I want to make decisions from. And in fact, the best protection, people ask me always, what's a good energy protection is... Go in there, mix it all up, have your spirit mixed with whatever you call the greater spirit, and then just beam 360 degrees. Because that's the equivalent of being your butterfly self. That's being yourself in the world. And so that's, to me, the most, I think, potent sort of meditative stance. And you don't have to meditate to do it. You can just stop what you're doing, take a second, you know, beam from 360 degrees and you will act like the butterfly that you're constantly becoming too.
1: I really love that because a lot of the protection healing ideas or, or practices that I've learned have had to do with kind of anchoring yourself doing a visualization of anchoring yourself or, or envisioning like this protective bubble. But Mm -hmm. I'm becoming more aware of how That then creates the belief that you need to be protected from the world. And so I really love with that technique that it's like, no, you can mix with all the energies and still just beam out your power and your love. And you're strong enough for that. You don't need to always be protected. You don't need to put on your bubble suit before you go out into the world. So I really
0: love that technique. Oh, good. I mean, and honestly, a lot of us think if we feel endangered we're supposed to contract it's sort of like closing you know your arms over each other and huddling down but what you want to do is expand if you expand it's through your heart but it's the same thing as opening your hands really wide you got two hands out there and somebody can grab them and help you along you want more help <laughs> you don't want less help you want to be open you want your light shining brighter because you know if somebody sort of eh, doesn't have the greatest motives and you shine brighter they're going to look away They're not going to come after you and go, oh, good. I scared her into contracting. They're going to they're just going to say not worth it. I'm just not going to do whatever malevolent thing I was going to do. So it changes how other people respond.
1: It reminds me of how you learn how to protect yourself from a bear. You're not supposed to run or hide. You're supposed to like put your arms out real big and act like you're some big
0: force and make a lot of sounds and it'll scare it away. Same idea. It's the same thing. Be more of who you are. I compare it to to the sun. Like, ain't nothing going to get into the center of the sun, right? It's going to burn out way out there. (laughs) It's not getting in. So be this great big sun, and you probably can ignore most of what's happening around you. It doesn't matter if it's good or bad. I've had a lot of clients who were scared of entities or energies or people who think negative thoughts about them. And it's sort of like, why, why do you think about that stuff? You really don't need to be aware of it. Like if you're beaming brightly, you just chase it right out of the house or, or maybe it alters the person changes or we don't have to obsess about all the dangers.
1: Well, thank you so much for sharing all of this with us. I think it's more helpful right now than It has been in most of my life, just with everything going on in the world. So for listeners that are interested in learning more about you and your newest
0: book and all of your books, where's the best place for them to connect with you online? Uh, Just my website, cindydale.com. It's spelled a little funny. It's C-Y-N-D-I, cindydale.com, and that's where I'll be. All the links from this episode will be at mindlove.com
1: slash 150. Wow, can you believe we've done over 150 episodes? Closer to 170 if you include all of the exclusive episodes as well. So this week, your challenge is to just start getting in touch with some of that subtle energy that you hold. We're so used to being overstimulated that I think we get farther and farther from these subtle energies or the cues that these subtle energies are trying to bring us. If we don't intentionally hone in on them, pay attention to them, bring awareness to them. But like the saying goes, what you focus on expands. So even though it might feel sort of elusive in the beginning, the more you practice and the more you give it your focus, the stronger these subtle energies will feel. The more they'll feel like guidance instead of guesses. And you don't have to just do this through meditation or choosing to sit for 20 minutes in total stillness sometimes it's as easy as just checking in with yourself. And it might even be easier to check in with yourself when you already know you're feeling perturbed or upset or sad or happy. A big emotion combined with your awareness of the subtle energies might give you cues of what those subtle energies feel like by themselves. For example, a lot of times when I'm feeling a lot of joy, I try to notice, what am I feeling in my body right now? How does my energy feel? Do, do I feel like my skin is tingling? Do I feel my heart expanding? Do I feel open? And take notice of these things. Then when I'm in a state of maybe confusion or I don't really know what I feel, I can map it back to one of these other states that I've memorized without the obvious cue of something exciting happened or something really sad happened. Besides, I think often we allow our emotions to go on autopilot and we only really bring awareness to it when it's something really bad because we want to figure out how to get out of it. But we don't always spend that much time really focusing on what do I feel like when I'm happy? One thing I like to do is take notice of those feelings in my body and memorize them. And then when I'm trying to manifest or I'm trying to get myself out of a low state, I focus on what I remember feeling really, really happy to be. I try to bring those sensations to the forefront of my body. It sounds simple, but it actually is really powerful. So start to take notice of these subtle energy cues, whether it is in a subtle state or it's in a more obvious state, and just practice bringing your awareness, your focus, your attention to these feelings so that you can start using them as guidance in your day-to-day life. And if this episode was helpful for you, please share it on social media. You can take a screenshot and tag Mind Love Melissa and Mind Love Podcast, or you can just share it straight to a friend who you think who needs it most. Word of mouth is a really powerful tool for helping to grow this show, and so for anyone who has shared the podcast, I am so so grateful for you. Other ways to support the show is to support my amazing sponsors, especially the ones who stuck with me during the pandemic when tons of them pulled out. So please, please give them some love and to leave a five-star review on the Apple Podcast app of what you really love about mind love. So as always, thanks for giving your mind a little love today and I'll see you next week.